Praise team. It's good to see Beth back with us. And uh, she had knee replacement and was gone for a while. We had Charles Payne was back in the first service. And, and so we're getting people back from surgeries, and it's good to see you. It's good to see Rich. I don't think Rich has been here for a couple weeks either. It's uh, good to see him. He's, he, he's half the man he used to be, and uh, he's looking really good. And uh, he does. He looks really good. And just continue to remember him in prayer. Rodney Gilman had surgery this past week, and he's home. Just a lot, of, a lot of different things going on, but it's good to see you all. If I've missed somebody, I'm sorry. It's just good to see you all out here on this this wintry cold uh, morning. That's not too bad, I guess, but it's 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 still winter in Union County. And uh, uh, Amy said when they, they were in Florida at Disney World, when the kids heard that it snowed here, they cried. And I told her, so did I. And uh, <laughs> you know, this the weather in Union County is kind of an interesting, you know, it's pretty, can get pretty brisk pretty quick. I take my dog out. He does not seem to understand that. He loves the snow, rolls around in the snow. Uh, the rainier, the colder it is, the more he wants to be out and the longer he likes to keep me out on walks. And, you know, you can feel the effects of, of, of that weather. You know, you can be driving anywhere and you can feel the effects of, of wind in Union County. It seems like the wind really blows in Union County. Now, I, I lived in Kansas for a while and we had a flag at, at Mid-America that was a huge flag and that thing would be standing straight out because of the wind across Kansas, but, but you experience a little bit of that in Union County since all we have pretty much, thanks to, to Russ, is cornfields and soybean fields, and not a lot of trees to, to, to break the, the wind, and so you can feel the wind. You ever walk against the wind? You know, you can feel the wind, or, or drive down 33 towards Dublin to get some Chick-fil-A or something, and the, you can feel that wind just shift in that car, and, and so we can feel the effect of the wind, but the funny thing is you can't see the wind, right? You see the effects of the wind, and so you can feel it, but you may see branches moving, you may see trash blowing, but you can't see it, but you know it's there. This morning we're talking about spiritual warfare, and the truth is you really can't see spiritual warfare. It's not something that's visible. It's like the wind, but we definitely see the effects of spiritual warfare. And we definitely feel the effects of spiritual warfare. And I believe intuitively, I, I, I think everyone in this room intuitively knows that it's there. That, that there's something going on beyond what we see. I tend to believe, and, and maybe I'm wrong, I, I tend to believe that most people... <laughs> Whether, they're, whether they name themselves or Christian or not, believe that there's something more going on than they can visibly see. And so we're going to talk about spiritual warfare just for a few moments this morning. Of course, we're in the Ecclesia series, and this is week nine of a 10-week series, so we got one more week. Next week, we're going to talk about baptism. I, th I think it will be fun to kind of pull all this together, what it means when, when, you, when, you, when you're baptized, the significance of it. But, but the theme of this series, the thread throughout, has been this idea of meism. And, and meism, selfishness, destroys relationships. And God does not want us to live where we are the center of our worship, right? We, we believe that as Christians. I think it's fundamental that we understand that selfishness and Christianity do not go together. That, that God's calling us to something deeper and better than this selfish 
way of life. And, and I, I believe that the church is God's instrument to allow us to escape meism and live for something greater. I, I, I think that this is a significant part of God's plan, that, that it's not just about individual crisis moments that we have, but God brings us together with a group of people that may have some diversity. And in that group, in that diversity, God can begin to shape us into something more than just on our own. And so as we've wrestled with this, we begin with chapter 3 and verse 14. Um, and I'm going to read that again. Um, For this reason... I kneel before the Father from whom every family in heaven on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who's able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work and within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. (laughs) That's drop the mic scripture right there. You know, that's Paul, Paul out. Boom. Um, You know, I'm not sure what I can say that can top what Paul has said in that little portion of Scripture, that that God has more in mind for you and more in mind for me, more in mind for us than we can even begin to dream or imagine. But the reality is this. God's more is opposed. This more, this dream of God that he has for your life, for my life, there is, there is opposition to God's dream for you and God's dream for me and God's dream for us. Now, Paul recognizes that there's spiritual warfare going on. Now, just to be clear, I believe in a personal, individual, Trinitarian God. I believe God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit is person. <laughs> that, that it's not, God is not force. God is not just an entity. I don't believe God is just a force of good in this, in this world. But I believe in God as person. I'm not sure exactly what that means, but but I don't believe that there is just a force, a good force in the world that we refer to as God. I believe in God as person, and I believe that we were created in the image of that God. And since I believe that God is person, I believe that this spiritual warfare is being waged by a person as well. I believe in the individuality, the personhood of a Satan, of the devil. You think, man, man, pastor, you're old-fashioned. Call me old-fashioned. It's in the Bible. Jesus seemed to believe it. I believe it, okay? I don't believe it's just the force of evil versus the force of good. I believe there's a person, the Trinitarian God, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, and there is the devil, 
and his, his demons. And I believe these forces are in opposition. And the spiritual warfare that we see in Paul's letter to the church at Ephesus is what this is what Paul is talking about. That, that you have an enemy of your soul. As, as Peter writes, I believe it's in 1 Peter, that, that Satan roams about like a roaring tiger or roaring lion seeking who he shall devour. You have an enemy of your soul that is waging spiritual warfare, unseen warfare in your life, in my life, in the life of our church. And so Paul addresses this in Ephesians chapter 6, beginning in verse 10. He says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the, super, the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist and the breastplate of righteousness in place and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take on the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Pray also for me that whenever I speak, words may be given to me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. Paul's talking about warfare. We are at war whether we want to acknowledge it or accept it or not. Now, whenever I think about this, I, I always think about this reference, and I, I probably use it a hundred times as illustration. In World War I, uh, you, you had the, 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 the Allies versus the Axis forces, and, and, and the Russians were, were on the Allies' side, and, and in the midst of World War I, there was a revolution in Russia, and after the revolution, those who took control no longer wanted to fight. And so they reached out to Germany, and, they, and they, they tried to get peace terms, but the Germans would not give them peace terms. And so finally the Russians just said, fine, we quit. <laughs> okay, you want war? We don't. We just quit. And it threw the Germans off for about a day. And then after about a day, they said, fine, you don't have to fight, but we will. <laughs> and they continued to attack the Russians. And so finally they had to, they had to, um, to agree to, to far less favorable peace terms. But, but, but I think that illustrates what's going on oftentimes in the church. We can deny it. We can ignore it. But, but whether we accept it or see it or understand it or want to embrace it or not, we are under spiritual attack. And so it behooves us. It's to our benefit. It's to, to our betterment that we take part in the battle. <laughs> See, I don't believe there's anybody in here that's not called to be a prayer warrior. Uh, I think everyone in this room is called to be a spiritual warrior because you're in the spiritual battle. And, and so in the reality of the spiritual battle, Paul begins 
with be strong. And really, a better translation is be enabled. Be enabled in the Lord. In other words, Paul's saying, listen, I want you to know that there is the reality of the spiritual struggle. It's real. You have an enemy of your soul that seeks to destroy you, destroy your family, destroy everyone you love, destroy your church, destroy your community, destroy your world. But I want you to know that through your Heavenly Father, He can enable you in this battle. That He can give you the equipment you need. And then He follows that within a, in verses 13 and 14 with this ideal of standing, which he, he continually says, stand your ground, to stand, and stand firm are all found within just a few sentences, a few words in verses 13 through 14. And so Paul's emphasizing, listen, God can enable you. God, God, if you believe that, say amen. God can enable you in the midst of the battle, not, not that you'll avoid the battle, but in the midst of the battle, God can enable you so that you will be able to stand through the battle and at the end of the battle, stand victorious. That, that there's coming a day that the battle will be over and God can enable you to come through and be standing at the end. And then Paul goes through, and, and, and we're not going to try to, to describe what all these um, portions of the armor mean. It's typical armor of the, of the day, and, and, and that's a series of its own. It's not the purpose for today. The belt of truth, the breastplate uh, of righteousness, the, the boots of readiness, the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, the, the sword of the spirit, all, all these things that you would see on a typical soldier of the day that Paul's writing this. And, and, and the striking thing is in these descriptions of armor and equipment, there is both defensive and offensive uh, material included, um, armor included. And, and it makes me, it, it strikes me that oftentimes all we're concerned about is the defensive armor. <laughs> you know, we want to huddle in the church, we want to be safe, but, but Jesus says, about the church, that the gates of hell will not prevail against his church. Which tells me that the intention of this church is not to be a defensive fortress, but to be an advancing army on behalf of the kingdom of God. <laughs> Knocking on the very doors of hell. Um, God calls us not just to be defensive in the battle, but to be offensive in the battle. And then verse 18, he says, And pray in the Spirit in all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. Which, which I believe in, in many ways ties all that Paul is thinking about together. This, this ideal of prayer. See, I believe our, our primary tool in the spiritual battle is prayer. Um, now, <laughs> that's prequel of sermon. Because the truth is, if you've been in the church any length of time, you've heard hundreds of sermons, dozens of sermons on prayer. And nothing that I've said would you disagree with. Everyone in this room would say, that's right, it's a spiritual battle. And prayer matters. And God is calling us to be victorious. And you would agree with everything I've said, but the reality is 
our prayer life is often the source of our greatest spiritual disappointment. That as a pastor, as a follower of Jesus, in my own personal life, my prayer life has been the hardest thing at times to sustain. And, and as I'm in this room, and as I'm looking at you folks, what I realize is there, there's some of you that this is, oh, no, pastor, man, I pray three hours a day, no problem. There's people like that, and, and, and God bless you. I'm not, I'm not belittling that, but what, I'm, what I truly believe is there's a large percentage in this congregation that's affirming those words at the same time, prayer has become their source of disappointment, and they believe disapproval of God. See, my, my personal experience, there, there's been times where in my prayer life, you know, I, I, I've sought, <laughs> you know, I hear about those those preachers that go in their prayer room and, and, and they pray for two hours and, and they're supposed to be woke up or called out within an hour and they come out after two hours and they say, oh, that, that was only 15 minutes, right? <laughs> and can I tell you, just honestly, that's not my experience. Uh, my scope of attention's not that good. Uh, I know you guys don't believe that, do you? <laughs> You know, and, and so I can go in a room, and, there, and there's times I've been able to do that, but there's often times I can go into a room and close the door, and within 15 minutes, my mind has completely wandered to other things. And so I've had to work through that. See, proper prayer is not one particular form. There's not just one way that we pray, and, and that's it. And you say, well, Pastor, what about the Lord's Prayer? You know, the, the truth is, Jesus was not trying to give a form prayer. Jesus was trying to free up their prayer life. And there's nothing wrong with praying. You know, before anybody, oh, he's being critical of praying the Lord's Prayer. No, I'm not. <laughs> That's the whole point. The point is Jesus wasn't saying pray only in this way. He wasn't restricting. He was trying to open up their ideal of what prayer was. And prayer was not just some form, but it was communication with a heavenly Father that cared about every detail of their life. A, a Father that they could address. And I don't think I've ever realized this before. You guys, you guys are my preacher boys there. Tell me. A Father you could address in Aramaic the language of the day, and not in Hebrew. Not, not in some religious language. Nothing wrong with religious language, but, but a father you could just address as dad. <laughs> it reminds me, Terry and I were at Springdale Church of the Nazarene for, for many, well, for about a year, I guess, many months after we were married. And, and um, when we were at Springdale, they had a, a, a guy that had been saved later in life named Paul Powell, who was a painter. And, and every once in a while, they would ask Paul Powell to pray. And the first time he prayed, it, it, was, it was amazing. It was an amazing prayer. He started, he said, God, you are a righteous dude. <laughs> it was the greatest prayer ever. I was like, what? Who's praying here? Is that Ringo Starr? Um, See, the purpose of the Lord's Prayer is not to restrict prayer, but to open it up. To, to allow you the freedom to communicate with God about the reality of your life in the language of your day. See, prayer is communication 
with God. Now, now I brought up here, just for illustration purposes, my new cell phone. It's an iPhone X, right, Terry? Is that what it is? You don't know? We don't know. (laughs) It is nice. And I would have turned it off, except I don't know how to turn this one off. So, I, Spencer, maybe later you can show me how to turn it off. You know, on this phone, I can, I can Facebook message people. I can send, I can directly post on people's Facebook line or page. Uh, I don't think I can do MySpace on there anymore. I don't know if that's still there. Have, that's an inside joke. Nobody knows what it is. Uh, I can Instagram. I can communicate to people on their Instagram. I can do, I think you can do private Instagram messages. I can tweet, <laughs> if I ever tweeted. Uh, I can do private tweet, tweeters, tw- tw- whatever. <laughs> I, I have a LinkedIn account. I can, I can post or I can message people through LinkedIn. I have two or three emails that I've accumulated over the course of my life. When I move, so that, that's all on here. I've got, I've got, um, a Google Voice number. When I moved up here, instead of changing my phone number, I just got a Google Voice, which is a free number that goes straight to my phone. It's really cool. If you want more information, I'll tell you all about it. But it's a Google Voice number that I can call on or text on with a 937 number. I, I can text on this phone. I believe there's even an app that allows me to make phone calls. I know. It's weird. If we're smart enough to make a phone that can communicate in all those different ways, don't we believe that our God is creative and smart enough to have all sorts of ways to communicate to us and allow us to communicate to him? I believe, now correct me if I'm wrong, I believe God is smarter than Steve Jobs ever was. And see, we can communicate with God. And, and what I found, some, sometimes it's journaling, it's writing. I found in my life that, that I'm not typically somebody that can just sit for an hour. Because as my mom used to say, I've got ants in my pants. Um, <laughs> anybody else have ants in their pants? Yeah, I can't sit, but, but I can do 15 minutes and regular scheduled times and get just as much and more quality in those short times. I I sometimes journal, uh, music, (laughs) listening to music, singing music by myself particularly. Um, Sometimes I I created a prayer email. It goes to me, but I figure God reads all our emails, right? (laughs) And God reads all your Facebook pages too and so does your pastor, okay? Just so you'll know. Uh, even if God hasn't friended you on Facebook, he's seeing some of those posts, and I see them too. Um, God help us all. Um, <laughs> but I create a, an email account that's just Pastor Paul's prayer email. And I'll, and I'll type out emails and send them to myself. <laughs> you know, it's kind of a journal, just a different way to do it. Because I, you know, I, I figure you, know, you communicate so much through emails um, it was just an easy way for me to communicate. So, so all these things. So, so, sometimes when I'm driving, I pray with my eyes open, right? 
And you listen to music, listen to podcasts. I, I, I allow God to speak, and I, I, I speak and allow him to speak. I like what you said in your prayer this morning. That's not monologue. Sometimes it's hiking, being out. Sometimes, sometimes God just speaks because God wants to speak in unexpected times and unexpected places. Sometimes I don't like that. Sometimes I don't like it when God reveals to me something that I need to change in a moment that I don't really want to change. Anybody else with me? What's the point? The point is I found that prayer is not about a time but about an attitude. Uh, You make the time because of the attitude. If the attitude's right, it don't matter how much time you have. But God wants to communicate to you and God wants to communicate to me. And, and, And it's not about a form. It's about a heart that's attentive to his call. So find your way to hear from God. Journaling, walks, music, quiet time, drive time. As the scripture says, with all kinds of prayers and requests. But that's really not the point this morning. (laughs) Um, That's pretty bad when you've been preaching for 25 minutes, but that's really not what we're talking about. It's when you know you're in trouble. <laughs> you guys ever done that? Uh, you ever preach a sermon and you're like 30 minutes in? It's like, really, that's not what we're talking about at all. But uh, <laughs> it's about being together. See, we're talking about ecclesia. We're talking about the church. And so why do we pray together? See, praying together helps us escape meism and live for something greater. That, that the church that prays together, God can do something, not only in that church's life, but in the life of the individuals. And, and so just very four really quick things uh, that, that I think you see happens when you, when you pray with other people. We, we, we learn how to pray with others. I mean, there, there's, there's a learning in praying with others that, you know, as Pastor Bob leads us in prayers, he, he helps us learn how to pray. And, and, and I believe that I think Pastor Bob may be one of the best prayers I've ever heard and uh, appreciate him. And he teaches us how to pray. And, you know, I, as a child, you know, with my family, my mom praying with us, I, I learned how to pray. I also learned when not to say certain things while she was praying. Uh, that, that was not right. Um, we learn to pray with others. We, we experience God's presence with others in prayer. In other words, you, you may be going through a dry experience, but, but sometimes when you gather and you sense the presence of God in that prayer, you can, through others, experience his presence like you would not be able to do by yourself. We need to be vulnerable to pray with others. In other words, this, this escaping meism, it's in praying with others that there's this, to, to truly pray with others, we, we have to be open enough to be honest with others. You know, I, I keep coming to James's admonition to, 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 to confess your sins to one another. Now, in a setting this size, that doesn't work. But in some private prayer times, uh, it is completely appropriate to say, listen, I am struggling here. I am having trouble with this. As a matter of fact, you know our movement? <laughs> uh, Wesleyanism was built on vulnerability and accountability. I mean, that, that, that's, that's one of the things we're built. We're built upon a church, the ideal of people coming together and the leader or whoever being able to ask deep and probing questions and a promise to be honest in your answers. 
So, so in our movement, there is this, this fundamental ideal that we can't grow if we can't be part of a body where we're vulnerable. And the last thing is we must be accountable when we pray with others. In other words, when we spend time praying with others, there's an accountability to those you're praying with. See, I think, I think God is stirring things up in our prayer ministries. I, I believe that, that Pastor Bob, you've been called here for such a time as this, <laughs> to use the words of Esther. You, you are here for a reason, and God is stirring up our prayer ministries. Sue, Sue Timmons, uh, for years, uh, taught in our kids' department, and she has just felt this tug. She's not teaching there because she feels like she needs to be emphasizing more of the prayer ministries. And, and so she, is, she said yes to prayer ministries and been doing a great job. And, 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 I, and I just believe God's stirring something up in and through Sue for our prayer ministries. Just, just recently, Jessica Walks joined us, Jessica and Jim, and she's on fire, isn't she? <laughs> she, she was just in California uh, last month for a thing called Moms in Prayer. And, and, and let's go ahead and show the video for Moms in Prayer. So, so Jack, Jessica's come back on fire for, for praying for our kids, and, and I think Sue and her are starting the fourth Sunday of every month. One of the things that we're doing in our kids' department is we, we have a prayer station. Uh, where people are going to be praying with our kids over particular attributes of God and, and particular scripture. Am I saying that right, Sue? And so may, maybe you'd like to talk to Sue about being involved. Maybe, maybe you want to join us in what's going on. I, I, think, I think it's important to see this, that every great move of God has begun not through programming, not through worship services. Every great move of God has begun with prayer. Um, this imaginably more that we ask or imagine begins not in our abilities, but in our prayers. And I believe particularly in our prayers together. So I believe God's stirring something up in our church that's to our benefit, to our family's benefit, to our community's benefit. And I believe that something is prayer. Uh, I'm reminded of Acts chapter 12. In Acts chapter 12, Peter's in prison. It's not the first time or the last time that, that Peter's in prison, but Peter's in prison. Uh, Herod has killed James, the brother of Jesus, and, uh, and so there's persecution of the church, and uh, he puts Her uh, Peter in prison, and Peter's in the middle of the night. All of a sudden, the doors open, and the chains fall off, and the church is gathered and has been praying for Peter. <laughs> Peter thinks it's a dream, uh, but eventually the angel convinces him to go, and Peter walks out these open doors and, and ends up at the church, knocks on the door, the church in there praying, and a little servant girl opens the door and thinks it's a ghost. <laughs> she can't believe how God has answered their prayer, but God has answered their prayer. And what you read in the book of Acts is a church that's set on fire, not simply by the apostles' teaching, but they're set on fire by prayer and the power of the Holy Spirit. So how can you be a part? See me. Do, do a card. Um, see, see Sue. Sue, stand and wave at him. You can wave at him. Wave. Come on. There you go. There is Sue. See Sue. See Jessica. See, see, see one of us. We want to plug you in, and we want, to, we want to start partnering with you in prayer and begin to imagine how God can not only help us to pray better as individuals, but somehow pray better 
together. We're looking for partners. So send me a card, an email, a text. Talk to me. <laughs> uh, God is stirring something up. And uh, I'm reminded of <laughs> reminded of a couple things. Uh, the, the first thing is this: God will distract, or we will be distracted if God's stirring something up. In the first service, we're, we're preaching this, we're talking about this, and, and you know, I really sense God is trying to talk to us about the importance of praying together. And in the midst of the service, you might need to keep Wilma Noonan in your prayers. Wilma passed out, and uh, they end up having to take her out by squad. Um, that's spiritual warfare. N- not what happened to Wilma. See, life just happens. Right? You understand that, 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 that a lot of times life just happens. People get sick, people die, we, we lose jobs. But how we handle those circumstances is the spiritual warfare. And so what, what, what we realized, really realized at that moment is we could become completely distracted by what God was trying to say to us. That was not the spiritual warfare. The distraction was. And so I truly believe God is trying to stir things up in our church. And the question is whether we'll let life distract us. There's a beautiful story. It's in John chapter 5. And Jesus uh, is at the pool of Bethesda. And there's a lame man there. And, and just kind of in prequel to the story of just telling why the, the, the lame man's laying there. The, the writer says, well, there was a pool there. And at times, the angel of the Lord would stir the water. And the first person in the water got healed. Um, I believe God's stirring the waters. I do. I believe God is stirring the waters in our church. And the question is, will you jump in? I told the first service, that this, is, this has been a difficult series, for whatever reason, for me to determine what to do at the close. <laughs> uh, you know, I believe in altars. I do. I, I believe in altars. But, but if it ends at the altars and, and we don't buy in any more than that, then I, I don't know that, that it's made a lot of difference. But I believe in altars. And, and I believe in crisis moments like this. These are times to solidify what God is saying to you. And so, so maybe, maybe you've been struggling with prayer. Maybe when I, when I talked about that, you related because you sensed that same guilt that, that I've experienced at life over guilt or over prayer. And maybe God just spoken to you and said, hey, listen, I, I, let's start fresh and new. <laughs> I want you to let go of any preconceptions. And maybe you need to come forward and just talk to him. Maybe it's about praying with other people and you just need to hear from God more clearly. But all heads bowed, all eyes closed. I just ask that you be obedient in these moments. Uh, We're going to wait a couple minutes, and then Pastor Bob's going to come and close us in prayer.